went quiet for like 10, 15 seconds and he just went, do you know that wanker James Pierce? <laughs> and I just went, oh, I've heard of him. And then he just went... It wasn't went, Moisey because the United <laughs> job didn't last long for him. <laughs> want to thank one of our supporters, English Rose Gardens. I know it sounds a little bit EDL. It's not. It's John English, a good mate of mine. He's done my garden and he's done it superbly well. It's summertime. Everyone needs to have the garden in shape, don't they? You don't want the neighbours looking over thinking what's going on there next door. They've got no standards whatsoever. I've got the solution for you, English Rose Gardens. Get on his Instagram, see some of his work, get in touch, free quotes. You know it makes sense. English Rose Gardens. First, first things first, James. You, you, you've been in Liverpool for a while, but where is that accent from? <laughs> um, it's from Bath in the the southwest of England. Yeah, that's that's where I grew up. Um, although I think now I have, I think I now have officially spent more of my life in Liverpool than than, than down there. I came up here as a student for three years in 1996, and then moved back home. Worked on the local paper down there for for five years and then yeah joined the echo in 2005 the month after istanbul and uh i've been here ever since so uh, no not not a scouser myself but i've got two well, little two little scousers of my own that are born and bred well we might get into this over the over the uh over the series you know of, of what is a scouser because i'll tell you i'll tell you i know people have like uh, where you know specific boundaries are, etc. If I meet a lad in Beijing wearing a Liverpool shirt, he's a scouser to me, James. So if you spent more of your <laughs> life in Liverpool, I think you're a scouser, mate. Do you do you have a you know do you have a feeling of being certainly like an honorary scouser at this point? <laughs> yeah, I'd like to think so. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I um, I'm certainly very proud to to tell people that I, I live in Liverpool and how much I love the city and. How glad I am to be bringing up my kids here. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. I love going back home to yeah. to visit family and friends down there. But I'd be lying if I said I ever wished yeah. I was still down that way because, um, yeah, Liverpool's an in- incredible city. And it's been great actually seeing how much it's changed for the better as well. When, yeah. you know, when I was a student up here in 96, 97, 98, 99, like it just wasn't really a conversation then whether any of me and my mates were going to stay around because there just didn't seem to be the opportunities job wise mm-hmm. and you know the city had the Albert Dock but not an awful lot else in terms of regeneration and then yeah, yeah moving back up in 2005 it was already wow god you know this has changed so much and then that's just continued happening that that transformation yeah. which has been brilliant to see Sure, sure. So, I mean, I'm learning, I'm learning things already. So, you came to Liverpool as a student initially, yes. and then moved back. Yeah. Uh, home was that to work on, like yeah. the Bath. Yeah, the Inquirer. Bath. The Bath Chronicle. The Bath Chronicle. Yeah. What What was some of the famous headlines <laughs> the Bath Chronicle had, James? <laughs> well, I was I was covering the non-league football, um, so I was mainly traipsing around the the the, the kind of the south of England in my clapped-out F-Reg Nissan Micra, nice. uh, covering Bath City in the in the Southern League Premier Division and then the 
the National League South yeah. as it is now. Who, who were Bath City's top players at the time, James? Talk us oh, through them. Well, we had a it was it was an ex Bristol Rovers winger called Frankie Bennett. Oh yeah, he was um, yeah he was he was one of the big one of the big star men. I mean, there hasn't been too many for Bath City over <laughs> the years. I think Jason Dodd, who some people remember from him from Southampton, he was he was I think he I'm think I'm still right and said he's still Bath City's record sale i think that was like 20 grand or something right right yeah um but uh but yeah it was i mean it was obviously a world away from covering premier league football but it was it was a brilliant grounding because you know, essentially the basics are still the same like you still have to create relationships with people and course, yeah. chase stories and yeah. um but yeah just slightly different so you, you surroundings yeah are you ba- would you say is bath city uh, is it like a, a place in your heart are you a bath city fan on the <laughs> Well, on the low. I, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, obviously, not not surprisingly, over the years, you know, be, like following Bath City's fortunes and being a, a passionate Liverpool fan has never really clashed. The, um, <laughs> no. I don't think there's ever much chance in my lifetime of that ever yeah, happening either. You might do a preseason tour around uh, yeah. the West Country. Yeah, at some point. I mean, the closest it ever came actually was when I was. Well, it was 1992 when Liverpool were en route to winning the FA Cup that season. They played Bristol Rovers away, and Bristol Rovers ground shared with Bath City at the time. Right. So that was a big thrill. As what was I fourteen then, having yeah. having having Liverpool playing in Bath. Yeah. Um, and that was yes, I, I was there that night when it was it was actually the tie was called off because of a frozen pitch initially, and then replayed on a night. And I've haven't been used to being in that ground that that usually in, in, with three, four hundred, five hundred other people. Suddenly there was it was a nine thousand sellout that night. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, my dad's still a season ticket holder at Bath City. I used oh, okay, to be a ball yeah. boy as a yeah. as a kid. But did you ever um, start a, a football manager or a championship manager game as a as Bath City I did manager? As a, yeah, <laughs> I, did did. A, I did as a student. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You lead them yeah. to glory with the <laughs> Premier League team by the end of your reign. I'm not sure I did. I, 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 I don't think I. I don't think I was actually. You know, I had to ditch management. It just wasn't for me. Jason Dodd just didn't. <laughs> pull up no, I think any I was, for you I was too loyal to them. Liverpool fan then from Bath. How, how did that come about? Just so my my aunt uh, is a scouser, um, so she she was from the city and she um, relocated down to the south. And when I think it was about my fifth birthday, she bought me a, a Liverpool shirt and scarf. Mm. And um, I was born in seventy seven, and as it was going to primary school in what you know the early eighties. Um, it probably seems a bit hard for people to believe now, but in my primary school, you were either Liverpool or Everton. No, because okay, it yeah. was you know you, yeah. you're talking about 83, 84, yeah, 85, you know, two best teams not only in England but arguably in Europe at the time. Yeah. Um, so it started from there really. Yeah, it wasn't one of those ones where it wasn't like my dad was dragging me along. It was actually the other way around. It was me pestering my dad and saying, you know, when mm. Liverpool were playing Southampton away or Villa away. Yeah. Um, you know, please can you get tickets? Please can you take me? And then um, yeah, 1990, which was. I think it was, I was twelve as like, as like a birthday present. He 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 sorted me out tickets to go to Anfield for the first time. So that was Liverpool two Chelsea nil, uh, Russian nickel. Nice. Um, so that was that was the first time I got to go to Anfield. And then nice. yeah, to be honest, coming up, I all the way through senior school, I'd, I I kind of made my mind up that what you know what whatever Liverpool Uni had to offer, if I could get there. I would do a whatever course they'd let me into because I, I just loved the idea of living up here and being able to go to the games regularly week yeah. in week out for the first time and that was what I was able to do under under Roy Evans. So 
about seven or eight, was it, when you when you came to to Anfield for the first time? So I was, no, I was a bit older than that. Oh. So it was it was it was like October nineteen ninety. So I would, yeah, twelve. Oh right, twelve. Okay, yeah. I would have been. Yeah. Um, but been to various away games. Oh, right, down okay, south yeah. prior to that. Yeah. But um, yeah, that was the first Anfield trip. Yeah, I think mine was ninety five. Liverpool nil, Leeds one. Brian Dean. I'm still here though. <laughs> I'm still here. Um, so, so James, you talked about coming up to then uh, Liverpool, the University of Liverpool. Was that yeah? Was that right? Yeah, yeah. Ninety six. I did a degree in history and politics. Um, so wow. at, the, at the time, exclusive. At, <laughs> so at the time, journalism degrees were quite new, um, and the editor. I'd, I'd done work experience on on the paper in Bath, and I'd asked for some advice and. He said to me that, to be honest, at the moment, you know, journalism degrees are so new that I would actually recommend just do a degree in whatever you enjoy and you're passionate about. And if you still want to be a journalist after that, then, you know, there's loads of postgraduate courses, there's trainee yeah. programs that that papers run that you can get onto. So that was that was how I did it, really. Um, and then, yeah, went away backpacking after uni, as a lot of people do for Four months or so, and then um, while where, I was where away... Did James P- where did the young James <laughs> Pierce end up? Um, what was it? Singapore, various places in Thailand, mm-hmm. at, on the islands, and um, and then, yeah, to Australia, Perth, slightly naively... Nice. You love me in Perth, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I love Perth, yeah. Got a, got a flight from Perth to Alice Springs, thinking that Ayers Rock was at Alice, at Alice Springs. Is it not? And, no, I was, thought I thought that was. Yeah, I didn't think we'd be talking was, about uh, where Ayers Rock is on this podcast. <laughs> but let's. So yeah, one I remember wandering around Alice Springs asking someone where Ayers Rock was. So yeah. I thought it was quite big that you might see it if it was nearby. <laughs> um, but they were like, it's about four hundred miles that way. Right. So, so that was that was a bit of a that's a part, common but. misconception, is it? I don't know whether it's that's a common one. Or well, I I'm just stupid. Um, no, I thought it was. I thought it was. <laughs> I mean, I might have checked though before, <laughs> before I went just to be double sure. Yeah, and then um, and then yeah, to, to Sydney, Melbourne, yeah. and then I was I, I had one of those round the world tickets that you, you know, I could have gone on to New Zealand and the Cook Islands and Fiji and all the rest yeah. of it. But um, actually, while I was away, the, the paper in Bath offered me a job, like a, right. tra- a trainee program. But the catch was I had to come back by by the May of 2000, it would have been. Um, so, yeah, and, and to be honest, it wasn't much of a decision because I, I would have only stayed away for another couple of months and I thought, oh, no, I, I, can't, yeah. I can't be turned down an opportunity like that. Is being a Liverpool FC reporter at the Liverpool Echo sort of in your mind's eye. Is that what you're going for yeah, at that time? Yeah, I mean, it was really, yeah. I mean, it was a bit of a pipe dream back then. But yeah, yeah that was... I, I've still got... It's quite sad, really, but I've still got, like, scrapbooks of from, like, the late 80s of of kind of watching games on TV and, like, doing my own little match reports, scribbling them down in pencil in these in these scrapbooks. And, and especially games I'd go to, you know, you stick the programme in and the photos you took and write your own little report. And I, I was just... I'm just fascinated at the idea that, you know, I'd go to games with my dad and be looking at the press box and thinking, yeah. I can't believe these people actually, this is work. Like, how, how can this be work? Yeah, yeah. Going to watch a game of football and, and speaking to people afterwards and writing about it. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, Do you still feel the same about it now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes you have to remind yourself how lucky you are because it's yeah. easy to get dragged down with, you know, like any job, you know, the kind of the, the, the kind of demands of it. Um, so, yeah, every so often it does... It does pay to take a step back and think, you know, yeah. 
I don't have to get a proper job one day. Imagine having to do that. So I, it's, uh, I try and string this out for as long as I can. Yeah. So let's touch then back on onto your university days before we move on. You, university in, in Liverpool. What, where was where were you, where was your stomping ground and where did you hang around and yeah so um, first year was at um, Rankin Hall in the Carnatic Halls up on kind of Elmswood Road in in uh, South Liverpool you know Egbeth right. Way um, which I don't it, actually I think because I, I drive past it sometimes on the school run now and it's all it's all shut off now I think I think someone told me it had been bought as like a police training college or base oh, yeah. or something I think it's been but it's certainly not not full of students anymore um which is probably for the best because I must admit my room it, when, I, when I first moved into that room in Rankin Hall and yeah. you just had your little single bed bolted to the wall and a sink it did feel like I'd been sent down for, for, <laughs> yeah. for doing something wrong um and you were sharing a shower with about 18 other people mm. um every night <laughs> well once a week um <laughs> and uh, and then so it, yeah it was a bit of a bit of a relief to be able to move out into a house and then eight of us Eight of us lived in a house just off Lart Lane, which was which was absolutely brilliant mm. in the second year, and then not far away again in the third year, just off Ullet Road near near Smith Dam Road, which is obviously a big big studenty place. Yeah. Um. And then yeah, and, and in fact that was why kind of when I when I came back up and got the job on the Echo in two thousand and five, it was I, I just I loved that Lart Lane area. You know, it's just yeah, and it, you know that that and I I've lived five minutes walk from Lart Lane ever since. Well, you were saying um, how much it changed between your first stint and your and your second stint. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, when you look at Lart Lane now and how bustling and thriving it is, and yeah. all the amazing restaurants and cafes, there were there wasn't there weren't anything like the the, the variety and the, that you see now. I think you know, it was, there was certainly more crazy pubs back then. I think no, there was there was one that some people might remember called the Masonic on Lart Lane. That yeah. um, and my, my wife at the time, I remember she came up with me. When when I went into to the Echo, I don't think it was for the interview. I think it was to meet them before I started, and um, yeah, and I went went to pick her up afterwards, and 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 I said, well, "What was it like?" She said, "Yeah, it was all right." She said, "But there was a fella sat at the bar just talking to a mannequin head that he'd brought in with him." Mm. And I was like, "Okay, yeah, yeah." yeah. yeah. Well, me dad knocks a... around there uh, <laughs> quite a lot. It's fair to say, you, yeah, an eclectic mix back <laughs> then. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's just a great. Yeah, it's yeah. just a great place, and you know, I love I love going there a few times a week now, and just you know I, I'm lucky enough in my current role that I get to work from home, and you know so many great little coffee shops on Lot Lane you can work out of. That first stint as a student, and you're hanging around with presumably other students, but obviously a lot of scousers as well. Did you feel sort of Liverpool as a city? Is it friendly? Did you feel sort of yeah, really friendly? By the yeah, yeah, scousers? I think I think the biggest thing I noticed was and it took some getting used to was people you don't know talking to you which just doesn't happen didn't happen where i was where i grew up and yeah. um and because i when i first moved i didn't have I didn't have sky so it, you know if there was you know i wasn't covering liverpool or anything i was i was doing mainly kind of monday to friday you know 7 till 4 or something on the on the desk at the echo for the just first news. few years no sport, sport but but like a mixture of it was a mixture of page design and sub editing, um, right. and the and the and because it was a case of just getting my foot in the door, writing wise, I was doing whatever anyone else didn't want to do essentially. So if yeah. you know if there was an Olympic swimmer that was up for interview, I'd put my hand up. I'd, I'll go and do that. You know, yeah. I'll go and do the judo, the trampoline, in the darts, yeah. the darts a... at the Echo Arena, and oh, yeah, the yeah, cricket, yeah. the rugby union. So um, yeah, it was it was a mile away from doing doing the football, but it was just a chance to yeah. to get. 
to get more experience. But yeah, I'd, um, yeah, you'd go to the pub to watch the game, and um, you know, and, and then suddenly people would start chatting to you. And initially, I'd, you'd think I oh, must be talking to someone else because I, I, I don't know anyone here. Yeah. And then you'd realise they were actually chatting to you, and I, I absolutely loved that. Yeah. The, um, yeah, the warmth that the people was was evident back then. And and so sort about following other other non football sports. Do you have a favourite non football sport? Yeah, probably cricket. To be honest, so I yeah, played. Same. Yeah, so I um, when I when I first moved up, I joined Sefton Park Cricket Club um, and and played there for basically until until the kids came along and ruined everything because uh, cricket takes up so much of your time, doesn't it? Singing the praises earlier, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I love them really, um, but yeah, so I, I not particularly. Talented or uh, or particularly good, but well, just so where's James Pierce uh, uh, oh, showing bat, up on the cricket pitch? Batting four or five and probably nice. th- third or fourth change. A a devastating bit, innings. A bit of medium pace, just right. scuttling it through. Yeah. Um, so I, I captained the third eleven at Sefton for oh, it must have been probably five or six years, um, yeah. and yeah, absolutely loved it. You know, if, if, you know, if, any, if anyone. I'm sure a lot of people will know how beautiful Sefton Park Cricket Club is when when the sun's shining. You know, there's few few places anywhere that I'd rather be yeah. than sat in that beer garden on a on a nice June or July afternoon. Um, so uh, so you haven't been able to play as much the last you know, probably five years really with kids and work and everything else. But mm. um, but yeah, I do love my cricket. Yeah, yeah. Ashes this summer. Yeah, I've got tickets to a. I don't think I'll make the squad, but I've got, <laughs> I've got, I've got, I've got tickets for a few, know. for a few of the tests. Yeah, yeah. go with my dad and my brother to one, and with the missus to another one. No. So um, maybe Jack Leach looking over his shoulder, <laughs> seeing James <laughs> trundling in from the. I'm not sure I can do baseball. No, maybe not. Do you fancy the chances? Yes. Yeah, yeah you I do. do. You do. Yeah, yeah. I just, it's just absolutely refreshing. And anyone, I think, who's when the mess they were in a couple of years ago, the, yeah. the transformation since Stokes took over, and um, yeah, and uh, under this coach, so it's just yeah, it's it's, it's going to be intriguing. All right, good stuff. So, two thousand and five, you started in Liverpool, Echo, um, and then was it around twenty ten that you were the Liverpool FC? Early twenty eleven, yeah, 2011. yeah, yeah. So just, I mean, what, yeah, journalist essentially. Yeah. Liverpool, so what so. what kind of let me into the football side of things, but actually, ironically, was what a mess Liverpool were in with Hicks and Gillette at the helm. Up, up to that point, Ryan about Liverpool had very much been the domain of one person, and that was the the Liverpool reporter. But you know, I, I think it was it was Tony Barrett actually, who obviously is now now working for Liverpool Football Club, who who basically said, look, this is this is getting silly. You almost need someone to cover the politics of the club and someone mm. to cover the football because it's just, you know, it, it, it it's just all-encompassing because... So for context, non-football fans, that's ownership yeah, problems so, yeah, with so Tom, FC. Yeah, Tom Hicks and George Dillette, who'd bought the club in, I think, 2007, was it, I think? And, and they they'd made all these promises about building a new stadium they wouldn't load debt onto the club basically yeah. break broke every single one of those promises load a club on the yeah. debt sorry load a club the onto Snoop the club dog at, at the, one um, point, didn't he? oh yeah yeah so many cringy moments i was still disappointed that didn't yeah. happen but, yeah. yeah yeah i think what hicks just said you know his son was a big fan of being a goaltender in, in <laughs> football and just all, all this this stuff you know so detached from reality and yeah. compulsive liars yeah, in yeah. terms of the way they acted, you know, and, and so much of Liverpool's money was actually going on servicing the debt in terms of interest repayments. Yeah. The new stadium never happened and, and the club was on its knees. It was, you know, but, the fans were 
quite rightly up in arms, the protests, the marches that were incredibly powerful in terms of forcing the hand of the bankers and, and getting yeah. them out. Um, and yeah, so all of that meant Opportunity. You know, yeah, opportunity, really. In ter- well, just in terms of it was just too much for one person to do. Yeah. Um, so then I went across and then, you know, when Tony then moved on to the Times um, and then Dominic King was the Liverpool reporter after him. And then after Dominic went, I, I thought I was in line to get it. And then they actually appointed someone off the news desk, um, completely a bit left field. And yeah. um, so at that point, I must admit, I thought the chance had gone because... You know, a lot of people, and, and thankfully it doesn't happen anymore, but people had said to me over the years, you know, you know, I, I, sometimes I'd have fans come up to me and say, you know, you, you know, I, I can't believe, you know, I didn't know you weren't a scouser. You know, why are you, you know, you shouldn't be writing about Liverpool, you're not a scouser. And oh, like, really? Well, I've been, you know, and I, I was like, well, okay, well, I, I respect your opinion, but, yeah. you know, this club's been close to my heart since I was like four or five years old, like... I, you know, I, I shaped being a student around my love for the club. Every penny I had as a student went into trying to follow Liverpool. And like, this has made my dream to, to write about the club. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, I'd, I'd like this to is, think... By the way, this is a strong pitch for an Henri Scouser title <laughs> if they had one James Well, carry on. Yeah, yeah. But they, so so they, I'd sometimes get that. And then so other, other people within the, within the industry would say to me, oh, you know, the Echo aren't going to give that job to a non-Scouser, especially with yeah. the multimedia stuff just starting to grow. You know, they, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, you can't change the way you sound. So it was. So I did think the chance had gone, and then as it was, the job then came up again out of nowhere within like six weeks. Um, and although there was a temptation to stick two fingers up and say no chance, that would have been cutting off my nose to spite my face. Yeah. After so I it was so, so that was it was literally just just after Kenny had come back as manager, Kenny Dalglish for the second yeah. time, early 2011, and then yeah, it was. So you're like the Rishi Sunak of uh, <laughs> Liverpool FC reports. And I don't that. know. If, is the that a compliment? Is that? I don't think that's a compliment in these parts. Is yeah, it? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but in other words, so so there was a brief time when you know it looked like maybe the opportunity's gone, yeah. and then unexpectedly. Yeah, yeah. I thought. I thought. I thought I'd have to. I, I thought. Yeah. You know. I was even thinking. Well, I'd have to do something completely different because you know, it was such a slap in the face at the time. Yeah. Um. Because I'd done the job for such an extended period while they were trying to make up their mind what to do. Um, so, um, but yeah, 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 I was, you know, and I did speak to a few people and, cause I, I, you know, it was, the way it was done did leave a bit of a sour taste, yeah. but, um, but no, it was definitely the right decision to swallow my pride and, and get on with it and accept it and embrace it for what it was. And yeah, just, and then it was, you know, a hell of an eight and a half years doing a job that I dreamed of really, right from, you know, kind of the, the kind of resurgence under Kenny to then obviously, you know, him losing his job. Brendan Rodgers coming in, you know, the early kind of issues there, but then that amazing season in 13-14 when they nearly win the league. Then you've got the post kind of missing out on the titles slump. Yeah. Um, and then the resurgence led by led by Klopp and all the fantastic days that, yeah. that have accompanied that prior to this season. So, um, so right. yeah, it was. I felt very, very lucky to be in that job. Okay, well, we're going we're gonna to take a, a quick break. But before we do, James, we're talking about uh, um, your knowledge of Liverpool and stuff like that. We'll do a quick quiz and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll reveal the answers after the break. So there's three <laughs> questions, James. Um, you don't have to answer them now. Um, when, what year did the history of the city of Liverpool officially begin? Okay, so what year, basically, does Liverpool begin to exist as a city? Um, the next one is, what are the names 
of the liver beds. <laughs> right. This is according to Visit Liverpool's website, by the way. Any fact checkers out there. And then the third question, how many Iron Men are on Crosby Beach? Wow. How many Iron Men are on Crosby Beach? All right, so we'll take a quick break and we'll be back with those answers and more from James Pierce. The history of Liverpool as a city, when does that officially begin, according to visitliverpool.com? Well, I, I know that there was some big anniversary during my time at the Echo, because I remember there was a, a supplement. So I think it was it's about 1,200, I think. I'm going for that. 1,200. OK, the answer is 1,207. So I think we've got to give you that, James. I'm going to give you that. You've got to give me that. That's a strong start, mate. That is a strong start. OK, it might get a little bit more tricky now. The name of the liver birds, the names of the liver birds. Yeah, you've got me there. They got me there. Scylla and Ken. Scylla and Ken? Yeah. It's Bella and Bertie, mate. Uh, <laughs> that was not, a shot. not far off, though. Shot in the dark. Half yeah. a mark. There you go. There you go. Now, final question was, how many Iron Men are there on Crosby Beach? I think about 100. About a hundred. About a hundred. <laughs> Any particular reason you've guessed no, that, James? No, I'm sure. I'm sure. It didn't sure. come up in the break. No one no, mentioned it no, in the break. No, no, no. It's just knowledge, Roach. About a hundred. Well, the answer is a hundred. Okay, mate. The answer well, is a hundred. Let's get into some. Let's get into some questions. All right, James. We put it out on onto Instagram, uh, asking uh, you know what people might like to hear from James. Peace. I'm going to start with one though. What's your relationship like with the Everton fans? Yeah, I'd I'd like to think it's it's fine these days. I don't have an awful lot to do with them in terms of online or social media anymore. Or um, and some of my best mates are, are Evertonians. So there's no no ongoing issues. I mean, obviously, mm. it was probably a different story when I was at the Echo because I think just in that role at the Echo, you know, when you're writing solely for Liverpool fans, you know, you're probably encouraged to be a bit more partisan and. Mm. Um, and a bit spiky probably at yeah. times. Was, was there a get one particular game, a nil-nil at yeah, Anfield? That, yeah, that yeah. coming up few... to the 10-year anniversary Oh, of that. nice. Okay. So... Are you doing anything for the anniversary? Or... <laughs> Might go out for a bite to eat, yeah. <laughs> yeah. put a nice DVD on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, it was, where was that? April 2013, so it was the back end of Rogers' first season. And, um, yeah, it's probably a bit of a lesson learned from my point of view because I probably fell into the trap of probably focusing more on who Liverpool were playing rather than Liverpool's own issues at the time. Um, what, but it was, was it? what was the, what did you say? Yeah, so the gist of it was, I mean, like back then you had to write a thousand words within an hour of the final whistle, whether it was five all or nil nil. And, um, and there was very little to go out. Neither team had barely laid a glove on the other one, two very average teams at the time. Um, and then at the final whistle, Bill Kemright jumped up just to the left of us in the press box, punched the air and right. said... Quite you know, theatrically. Yes, yeah, very, and said, that'll do us, um, which I just thought was a bit odd, seeing as I think that result meant that Everton couldn't qualify for Europe either. Right. Um, and, you know, they still hadn't won at Anfield, obviously, in, in, in well, that, that century. Um, so I ended up doing the piece on kind of, you know, how small time it was that, to be celebrating a draw when Liverpool were hardly, you know, in a position where Everton surely should be 
be looking to take full advantage of Liverpool's issues. And, you know, I think it was the intro that had upset people because it was um, expect the DVD to be in Ever- Everton's club shop on Monday morning, um, which I think struck a nerve because it was around that time that Everton were yeah. getting their Mickey taken out of them. Yeah, for, the Magnificent Seventh DVD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. things, Still out, things like that. So it was, so yeah, I must have, like, when I filed it, I didn't really, really, didn't, I didn't, I didn't file it thinking, well, this or this or you know, create a shitstorm. It was, it was more, right, job done. You know, found something to go at from a pretty dour game. Um, can go and enjoy the rest of my Easter Sunday and then woke up on Easter Monday to a senior official at Everton um, ringing to tell me I was a disgrace to journalism and that they they were going to try and push for a lifetime ban from Goodison. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, did, they, did they enforce that in the end? Or? <laughs> no, no, I have been back many right. times since with a hood up. It was literally, I think, the day that David Moyes, it came out that he was about to jump ship and go to Man United. Oh, okay. But yeah. before he did, he rang David Prentice, who was the deputy sports editor of the Echo at the time, mm. to tell him that I was a wanker. Right. Um, so that was one of his part, last parting duties as Everton Everton boss. Um, so, yeah, there was, you know, and obviously social media wasn't, I think it'd be different now. How ex- it would be a lot more extreme now than back then. But even back then, it was pretty unpleasant. There was yeah. a lot of like threats and um, and all the rest of it. And I remember getting called into a meeting on the comfy sofas in the Echo office on the Tuesday. It would have been John Thompson was sports editor at the time, and him saying, "Look, you know, you, you've caused a bit of an issue." And I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he actually went on to say to me, "Look, I, I loved it. I didn't have a problem with it. You yeah. know, we've, no, exactly what we say. We, you know, we don't want bland." bland match reports yeah sounds um, a bit like the conversation M might have with Bond <laughs> you know he's gone off on one you got the job done yeah, yeah. you've give, give, got to give me a bit of a license yeah, yeah. He, um, and yeah. he um, but he did he then said to me but I am going to have to tell Everton you've had an official warning right. I was like well why do you have to do that and he went well it's, it's just what they want to hear yeah, so yeah. it's the way to get them off get them off his back so um so David Moyes, if I carelessly called you a wanker, that's, yes, yeah, yeah that, yeah, that any was any official response. Ten years on, no, Moisey? no, he was he was spot on. Yeah. He was spot on. <laughs> yeah, 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 okay, yeah. I think it's lots of people who would agree with him. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, it's been it's funny because like even when I met my girlfriend's mum for the the first time, one of the first things she said was, "You're that one that she was an Everton season ticket holder," and she said, "You know, you're that one who wrote about the DVD, aren't you?" And yeah. then. Um, going back about six years I was in a taxi having left the Echo office late one night and usual thing where you get in a cab and the drivers kind of said oh you know you finish work yeah 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 and it was like 10 o'clock at night on a Friday and he was like you're working late yeah 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 what do you do I work at the Echo what department sport and he said um, went quiet for like 10-15 seconds and he just went do you know that wanker James Pierce?" <laughs> And I just kind of, oh, I've heard of him. And then he just it wasn't Moisey because the United job didn't last long for him, did it? <laughs> he was back on the on the deltas, <laughs> on the deltas. Lad. But he was, um, but yeah, it was. Uh, I just proceeded to listen to him slagging me off for ten minutes, and then he just. Well, I did make sure he dropped me off on the main road rather than actually in my road, just yeah. in case he twigged. But he, he just his parting words were, "Well, if you see that." that pierced, you know, tell him what I think of it. I was like, yeah, yeah no problem, I will do, will do, no nice, problem. Nice, nice, nicely played. All right, you've got a, a few more then. Um, who do you think uh, most underrated Liverpool player during your time sort of covering the club? Ooh, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, <sighs> underrated? I mean, I, I must admit, I do think, I think... I mean, not that he wasn't loved, but I do think Wijnaldum 
was kind of I think it's I think he's a good example of someone who you only fully appreciate what he gave to the team after he's gone really mm. in terms of you know and it's so much obsession with data now in modern football and you know he's, he, there was never any like numbers that people would use to show you know, look at look at you know look at his past completion rate or his you know his chance creation or his assists or his goals or something but he was just an incredibly talented selfless clever you know tactically shrewd individual yeah, that yeah, yeah. that I always felt was so key to 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 what Liverpool achieved under Klopp and the other priceless commodity was that he was always fit just you know played yeah. a ridiculous number of number of minutes um nice guy off the pitch as well oh lovely yeah yeah yeah, yeah. one You're of the max's favorite player yes yeah yeah, yeah. one of the i, I remember max, max james or somebody there was one time yeah when i had a bit of a childcare emergency and i ended up having to take max who Gene went hold him looked after it was yeah well, it's a, well i had to in fact i had to take both of them max and and holly uh, with me to do an interview with him and um yeah he couldn't have been nicer and yeah made and that was you know they at the time, neither of them were particularly interested in football, but they were both obsessed with Genie Wijnaldum nice. from, from that day onwards. So I'm mainly taking your bad diary management as why Genie Wijnaldum <laughs> is your most underrated Liverpool yes, FC yeah. player. Good stuff, James. All right, then. You've got a, a few more quite interesting things. Uh, do you think Liverpool were right to stay at Anfield and, and renovate it, or do you think they, they should have gone to the new stadium? No, with... definitely right. Definitely yeah. right. I think, I, I must admit, like, going back, because you know, for a long time when I was working, working at the Echo, you kept getting told... It's impossible, you know. You're not going to be able to redevelop Hamfield, all the housing situations, all the complications, and it was a real hot potato that FSG inherited. And you know, FSG obviously divide opinion and uh, amongst Liverpool fans. But you know, if you were looking at you know the the positives, one of the massive ones has to be what they've done to the ground because I I, I hated the idea of Liverpool losing that that link with their history and tradition. Um, I think it would have been a price worth paying to to try and ensure they got back to the top level, which is what other clubs have had to do. You know, Arsenal being a, a you know, a good example, Tottenham. Um, obviously their ground is <coughs> is is magnificent in terms of the facilities, but you do lose something, I mm. think. You know, and even even like recently I was reading about Chelsea. There's a lot of talk at the moment about Chelsea. Are they going to redevelop Stamford Bridge or move to World's Court? And I was shocked to read that it was only really, you know, Stamford Bridge, Old Trafford and Anfield that, you know, of the kind of the, the the big grounds, if you like, they haven't they haven't you know shifted, and so yeah. To when you look at Anfield now with that amazing new Anfield Road going up, and the main stand has obviously been a great addition. To you know to think that from the start of next season we'll have sixty one thousand in there every week, and we know that Liverpool will sell that out. Um, yeah, it's it's the perfect solution rather than going elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. All right then. Um... It might be a little bit more controversial. Probably not a surprise it's been asked. Andy underscore J underscore treble seven and Cara Hanger has both essentially asked the same question, which is, is Jürgen Klopp still pissed off with you? <laughs> um, as of now, I don't think so. No, right. no. What was it for the context? What was this all about? So this is the Liverpool FC manager, Jürgen Klopp. Uh, yeah. Mentioned that I mean, at the end of a just... press conference that you angered him for yeah so it was after after Liverpool's miserable defeat at, at Molyneux a couple of months back and um yeah I I, I think it was the second pre- second question of the post-match press conference I I just asked you know you know how how infuriating is it as a coach when you've had a whole week to prepare and you see a team start as sluggishly as they did today and does it you know because it's happened so often this season does it make you reassess the way you prepare them for games because 
you know didn't look like they were they were ready and switched on for for what needed to happen and yeah I was quite shocked when he then said I refuse to answer your question you know you know why because of what you wrote um and some yeah had a slightly bizarre situation where he said someone else will have to ask it so then someone else basically said word for word the same thing and then he he gave them a a decent answer. Um, and what's it like? Liverpool FC manager says something like that in the moment. Yeah, I mean, I missed it. In, in the moment, it was just I was just shocked, really, because I must admit, you know, you kind of know, don't you, if you've written something in the days leading up to it that you're thinking, oh, you know, probably need to be kind of on my toes today because someone might have a a sarky comment or a go back at you, and because obviously, you know, the criticism, you you know, you can't shy away from it. It's not I'm not here just to write. You know how great everyone is, and and of course, when times are hard, that's it's definitely the toughest time to to report on the club because people don't want to talk to you. Yeah. Um. People and people don't like to be be criticised. It's just just um human nature. But um, yeah. In that example, um, I, you know, obviously, first thought afterwards was I, I want to find out why that's just happened because I I I couldn't think what I'd written to to trigger that kind of reaction. And then you know when I spoke to senior people at the club they said well actually you know it isn't anything you have written it was actually a, an article that had been published elsewhere the day before that had upset him that had, that had targeted where well, he felt he felt that had unfairly criticized andreas cormier the fitness coach right um so it was, and, a, it was the wrong end of the stick yeah yeah i mean and then i think someone had then said to him that the athletic had done something similar earlier on in the season um, which you know, I think you had to go back to September for the last time Andreas Kormeyer was even mentioned, and even that was deep within a, a piece on the injury situation. Right, okay, yeah. Well, we know, we know. Then don't come for Andy <laughs> Kormeyer unless you so, want Jurgen Klopp on your case. Or even, or even, his, or either Andreas as well. He's the, he's the uh, Andreas. Andre- yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, but it was, yeah. I, I tell you what, it was, yeah. It was just a bit bizarre because I think it, I wouldn't have minded it if it had been. Because of something I'd written, because you have to take ownership of that. Yeah. But for it for that to happen when it's not actually anything you've even written, that was quite difficult to take. Yeah. Because then inevitably you get you get the pile on with social media, and then suddenly you know it was it was perfect really that twenty second clip for yeah. you know all the different social media platforms and yeah. you know watch millions of times, and then suddenly you've got your kids messaging you saying. You know, my mate at school says you're getting the sack. And <laughs> why does Klopp hate you and all yeah, this? And yeah. one of the, like, well, the other one's saying, like, is our holiday cancelled? Well, in, 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 <laughs> the, in the interest of balance, being called a wanker, essentially, by both the Liverpool <laughs> FC manager and the former <laughs> FC manager, pretty good. We've just got a couple of minutes left, James, a couple of questions uh, to, to get through, uh, finally. So, um, interesting one. People you've met covering Liverpool FC, who's the most interesting sort of non-footballer that you've ended up meeting through through your job? Well, one of the one of the big thrills for me from the job has been getting to know a lot of the ex players, mm. and and you know, and, and one of the things I love is being able to like host Q and A events with because when you when you especially having grown up in the eighties with like you know, having charged around the playground pretending to be Ian Rush, pretending to be John Aldridge and Ray Houghton and yeah. Peter Beardsley and John Barnes, and so then to be able to meet you know Jan Molby would be another great example to then be able to meet these people and you want to send me a picture of Lee Evans. The um, oh that was yeah do you know what? I'd forgotten about that I was a bit drunk that night I think yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. he was a I'll tell you what, he was a lovely fella and a Liverpool yes, fan a very big Liverpool fan yeah yeah do you should know we what? go with that then as let's your go answer? with Lee Evans okay, let's go yeah. with Lee Evans he was um, Lee, Lee Evans your yeah my dear friend Lee Evans I mean who could forget how close we are 
Fantastic stuff. And final question, James. Who is your favourite Scouser of all time? Now, that is an easy one. It, it, would, it would have to be, for me, the greatest player ever to play for Liverpool, and that's Steven Gerrard. Stevie G? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think, it, you know, having done this job for a long, long time, there's not many people who kind of, who still kind of like, you feel a little bit nervous about speaking to, but even now it's still the case with him. He's got this aura that, um, and yeah, I, I think, you know, you can, I, 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 I never got to see Kenny play in his prime, but yeah, to be there, to watch every step of the way through Steven Gerrard and not his career and not, not just, not just the heroic feats on the pitch, but the loyalty that he showed as well. And, and to play during an era where he wasn't surrounded by, world-class players that a lot of those players that came before him you know had that luxury um so uh yeah he would he would have to be my my number one scouser 